Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where the Bible is opened and explained. Christians are encouraged and Christ is lifted up. Thank you for joining us and may your hearts be blessed as God's word is taught. And now, enjoy this message from Pastor Lauren Regeer. Amen. You ever wonder what you're going to say to the Lord the first thing when you see him? How about that? Great is thy faithfulness. I, uh, I know we'll probably fall uh, on our faces before him and just stay there and thank him for his great faithfulness. We begin today uh, a new series in the book of John, the Gospel of John. don't think I've ever preached through this particular gospel. And we're going to go there this morning. And to read a few verses together and enjoy some truths. Christ is our life, really should be the theme here as we study this series. Take a journey with uh, disciple John as he shares with us the theme really spoken of in the series title, Christ is Our Life. Today we will look at two or three principles, probably just a couple. The word revealed, the word rejected, and finally the word received, the word of course being the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin reading right at the start of this wonderful book, this gospel. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or could not extinguish it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This would be John the Baptist, John is referring to. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John the Baptist was not the source of light. He reflected it, certainly. He was sent to bear witness. Testimony of that light, capital L, light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, speaking of the Lord. And the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How many of you have believed on the name of the Lord Jesus? And have life in you. Well, thank God for that gift. We were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Word, again, capital W, Word, was made flesh, incarnated and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. John speaking first person now, full of grace and truth. I traveled with this Lord. Now, the theme of this book is really only understood when you get to the last couple chapters. Turn with me to John chapter 20. Keep your place here in John chapter 1, but go to John chapter 20 as this disciple of the Lord, beloved disciple, expresses the meaning or the purpose of the entire book. John 20. We're really talking about when Thomas, doubting Thomas, sees the Lord. And they are telling, in verse 25, the disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. And doubting Thomas said, except I see in his hands the print of nails, verse 25, and put my finger 
into those prints and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. How's that? And after eight days, his disciples were within. Thomas with them this time. Then came Jesus, doors being shut. He appears, stood in the midst, said, Peace be unto you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger. You know the Lord heard what Thomas said, even though he wasn't there at the time. Thomas said it. He says, Here, Thomas, reach forth thy hand, thrust it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord... And my God, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, believe, uh, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they, speaking to us now, that have not seen and yet have believed. Hope you're blessed this morning. And many other signs that Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Did you know that you can read through the Gospels in about three hours verbally? Jesus was on the earth 33 years There's a lot of things he did that are not encapsulated in these Gospels. And so it is. These things are written. Here's the theme, really. John expresses it for us. These things are written. Why? That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Here's a book written that we might have eternal life. Isn't that great? Very few books like that outside of the Bible, of course. So the Word revealed, the Word rejected, the Word, of course, received. That's the opportunity we have. The Word here is Jesus Christ. One day, all of us will stand before Him. He will meet us in judgment, won't He? And there are two questions that ought to inform your whole life. One is, what did you do with Jesus? And secondly, what did you do for Him? Those are the two questions that are most seminal and important in all your life. The word here is in the Greek, logos. It is the word of God, the God-man, Christ Jesus, revealed to you. What did you do with the truth about God? The word, verse 14, was made flesh and dwelt among us. John is saying, I'm writing a book because I saw him. I lived with him. What are you going to do about him? The book of John clearly states the purpose At the end of the book, it is that we might know him and have life believing in him. John is different than the other three Gospels. In fact, when John writes, he writes after the other three have already been written. John being the youngest disciples, youngest of the disciples, probably only 18 when the Lord called him to follow him. John assumes that you have read the other three Gospels. They're different. We call the other three Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call those what? The synoptic Gospels. What in the world is that? simply means they're set in a more literal, historical, chronological setting. John's purpose is that you might believe a word used over 100 times. This book was written that you might know Christ, come to love Him, live for Him that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. What other name can bring you to life spiritually? John is introducing us to that Christ. John omits things that the other, the other writers of the Gospels include. In fact, here are some of the things that John doesn't talk about. He doesn't talk about 
the genealogy of Jesus, his birth, baptism, temptation, casting out demons, parables, transfiguration, the Lord's Supper, the agony at Gethsemane, even his ascension into glory. John omits those things, not that they're not important, but he's preparing our hearts to understand this indeed is the Son of God. And you must deal with him before he deals with you in judgment. The book is really organized around seven great miracles or signs and then seven great I am statements that are ex- uh, exclusive to him. Some of you can think of one of the I am statements, no doubt, where you're seated this morning. John includes a lot of those. Chapter 6, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the door, the gate of the sheepfold. John 10, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 15, I am the true vine. 93% of this, by way of introduction, 93% of the book of John is exclusive to him, original to him. Of course, the Holy Spirit being the writer. It's not a duplication of other gospel material. I'm reading the Bible chronologically this year, and often there are uh, repeated passages, but John, in, in large measure, has original material not repeated elsewhere. It's a great book. And so it is that John wants us to know that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Lord of lords and King of kings, the Son of God, and put our, here it is, Here it is, to put our belief, our trust, our faith in this God-man. We got a precious phone call this week from our little grandson. And his parents, uh, Whitney and Garrett, said, Our little boy has something to tell you. So we got together and held the phone to our ear and Here's what his little six-year-old voice said. Grampy, Grammy, Mimu is what she calls, they call him Mimu. I put my faith in Christ this week. (laughs) You know, the truth is you can be a part of, even a member of a church. You can be around religious folks. He's lived around religious folks for six years already. And we've been praying that he would put his trust in Christ. John writes this book that you, maybe there's someone here today that does not know for sure whether you put your trust in this one. Don't just eat, the Lord is saying by his great I am statements. Don't just eat the bread of life. Eat the, excuse me, eat bread with Jesus. Eat the bread of life. Don't just follow great luminaries, the magical, sensational spectacular things you see perhaps in leadership around you on television. Come to the light of life. There are lots of light shows out there, but only one can bring you to life. Don't just go through doors of church, religious places and venues. Open the door of life and that person is Christ. Don't just follow leaders who care not for your soul. Embrace the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Don't just find joy in fresh places, starts, thrills, or new discoveries. Discover the resurrection and the life. The empty tomb, stay there until 
you realize, I need that sort of power. Don't just try to find yourself by taking trips and exciting roads to nowhere. Not when Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. It's a narrow road. Many are looking for roads to excitement, but few find the road of life. I am that one. And then don't think that you'll find joy and satisfaction in the nectar or the sap of any other vine when Jesus says, I am the true vine from me and a relationship with me. When you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear fruit. And John is the book of the gospel of John is an open invitation to believe, to trust in, like uh, our little grandson did this past little while. He put his faith in this Christ. John 20, 31, again, that statement, the theme verse of John, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, believing you might have life through His name. Well, John 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. And there are some great statements that follow. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Uh, you know that uh, that word in the beginning, in the construct of the original language, the Greek, means that not just at the beginning of time, it's reminiscent isn't it, of how the Bible starts. How does the Bible start? Genesis 1.1 says what? In the beginning, God did what? He created the heaven and the earth. Now that is specifically talking about the start of human time and creation when God created the heavens and the earth and all that dwell upon it. And in it, this is a far greater in scope. This goes to before the beginning of time. In the beginning, the word here really has a sense in which it is an ongoing before the beginning. Or in the beginning means a continuance of action or being. Before time, the word, capital W, was already there. At the beginning of the beginning, God preexisted. There's a sense in which this word means he always was and always shall be. He is the pre-existent one. Did you know that before Christ was born as a baby in that little manger, Bethlehem, he already was. He was and is and ever shall be the eternal God. And that's what the sense John is bringing. Even before the beginning of time was the word. God always has existed. The word again, logos, uh, to the Greeks has a, an important sense, probably more meaningful uh, than it does mean to us today. Certainly, they thought, the Greeks did, and all their philosophers, that there was this impersonal voice that we all kind of hear. It's the voice of reason, humanly speaking. And it had a universal appeal to all of us. There's certainly a uh, in every created being, this sense, this skylight to God. They, they thought it was some kind of voice of reason. They excluded God from the picture, but they all heard this voice. In those days, the philosophers had a view of that. The Jews had a more personal and perhaps more accurate view of this word, as it's explained in the text for us. They believed, and more rightly so, that this word 
had to do with a declaration from, a divine declaration from God. They heard the voice atop of Mount Sinai. It was the same word that directed Abraham uh, to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and it was the same voice that gave them the moral code and the moral law. In fact, the, uh, the word used in the Old Testament for the Ten Commandments has to do with the Decalogoi, the, the ten words from God. So they believed that there was a divine uh, being called God and that he had a voice and specifically directed it towards humankind and the Jews who were privileged to have the Abrahamic and the other covenants. They, they knew it was the voice of God pronouncing judgment through the prophets, directing Joshua, establishing covenants with Abraham, directing the course of creation. Eight times in the narrative of creation we hear the Bible saying, and God said. So they were closer to the truth, but they certainly, the Jews living in Jesus' day, did not believe as John did that that word was Jesus Christ. They didn't believe that. They were still waiting for the Messiah to come. So the Jews knew about revelation, the word. And it could mean lots of things, word to gather together, to sum up, to conclude, to speak or the act of revelation, it could mean the faculty of thinking and reason. And certainly there is a divine import to this. Isaiah 55 and 11 says, it's the agency of divine decree. This is indeed the final word. We see that. We see that God has spoken many times. So shall my word be, Isaiah tells us. That goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void, empty, or pointless, but it shall accomplish, this word shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Please understand something, though. John is not just talking about a, a, a divine emanation, a voice of our conscience, like the Greeks, a, a voice of reason that somewhat keeps the whole world in check. He's not even talking about the divine word of God spoken through the prophets. He's going beyond that. Look at verse 1 again. What does it say? In the beginning was the word, and the word was what? With God. We have to understand that that word means there's a partnership. It means literally this word was face to face with God. There was an inter-Trinitarian communication between this word. Pastor, how do we know that this word means Jesus? Well, the, the word has more than this kind of divine or this authoritative uh, voice within us. John is saying there was a partnership that this word enjoyed with God the Father and God the Spirit in glory. Face-to-face -face fellowship and communion. That's how close uh, there is this sameness. And then, <clears throat> uh, he's not stopping short <clears throat> of the fact that this is God himself, the fullest expression, the person of Jesus Christ. What does that verse end with? And the word <clears throat> was what? The word was a God. The word was like God. The Word was God. Say it with confidence. Howard Hendricks, a longtime favorite Bible teacher, Dallas Theological, years ago. Homesick, 
on a particular day, and here come walking the Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on his door. And they took him right to John 1 and said, you see, the son and most cults, all cults fail with, who is Jesus? <laughs> and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses fail there, the Mormons fail there. And so they were having this discussion about who Jesus was. And uh, those at his door, the Jehovah's Witnesses, no, 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 he was a son of God. And Howard Hendricks said, wait a minute, I'm feeling ill today, but I still think I can get up to my library and pick up the Greek New Testament. He looked at the two boys and said, you don't mind that, do you? He says, I read Greek. <laughs> he went to his, his library, picked up the Greek New Testament. You've got to read this. And there's complete assurance in the original that this is by intention. This is not that Jesus was one of many the sons of God, or that he's less than divine, but it has to do with he is the same as God. The same person in attributes, in glory, in divine authority. So the Word was there. The Word was reflecting and communicating in the face-to-face -face with the Trinity, and the Word was God. That's who he's speaking of. The Word is more than a divine decree, a summation of truth, the act of speaking, an unknown voice of reason, more than a voice on top of Mount Sinai. The Word from the beginning is reflected in verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. One of the greatest decrees of the divinity of God and dwelt among us. <laughs> and John is saying, I know him. I walked with him. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see these truths. He was in partnership with God. In person, he was God, made flesh. Again, the word is the same as Hebrews chapter 1 says he is the express image, the exact person of God. Not some kind of reproduction or some sort of um, little g God, but he is God. And it's so important that we understand he is of the same essence as the Father, quality, type, essence, power, Authority, the express image of the Father in the beginning, before the beginning. He is preexistent. He was face to face, exchanging communion in the Trinity, speaking. And still in verse 1, John adapts another phrase, and the Word was God. So it's important to understand that He indeed is the person of God who became flesh, manifested Himself, and revealed Himself. The word capital W was God. We need to clarify that as we begin our study of the book of John. He was not God-like. He didn't just possess some divine qualities. He was God in the flesh. So it is. He's preexistent in partnership with God, a person. And of course, there's an interesting comment about verse number 3. All things were made by Him. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Why do you think it is that 
in this expression of who Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, and his manifested order, why do you think that John would, by inspiration, well, that's why he put it in. The Spirit told him to put it there. But why do you think it's important that John would add, he made everything? It's a fascinating concept. It's a great point. The Word predates creation, but He, make no mistake about it, was the planner and the creator of it all. And if He created it and planned it, He has what? He has a purpose for it. God has a purpose for your life, friend. He created you. He is the owner, the author, and the divine leader of what happens in the great timeline of history, how it started, how it progresses and how it will conclude and as a parent. We know that all of us as parents have a great interest in what happens as our children grow and where they go. And, and so all of our lives were about the formation, the information, the, the instruction and the guidance of our children. And here in terms of creation, uh, John is saying, he, this, this manifested God, Jesus Christ, the God-man, he created us all. He made all this. And you can understand something about this verse. He has a parental, purposeful concern that everything will finish exactly the way he planned it. He knew that we would fall in sin, and he didn't scratch his head and didn't say, well, now what am I going to do? He had a plan for our redemption, and he has a plan for our glorification, and he will not stop until everything comes together in glory. That's who the Word is. He is the Creator, the Understander, the, the One who intends for us that He who began a good work will what? Perform it, complete it. And not just for the redeemed, by the way. This is for all. Isaiah chapter 11 tells us, at the end, the conclusion of time and history, human history, the redeemed will stand before him. Those that reject God will spend eternity without him in a place the Bible calls hell. But all the redeemed who respond to the word, to the light and life, who have been redeemed, will stand together and glorify him for all he is. Great is thy faithfulness. <laughs> we will sing it together. And But not just... <clears throat> Not just, the Bible says this, even before that time, he will redeem and bring back to full perfection creation itself. You think it's beautiful now in Georgia. <laughs> just think when God, Isaiah 11 says, there's a time when the economy of nature will again reflect its pre-fallen state. You think about that. The lion or the wolf will lay down with the lamb and children will play beside the the dens of snakes without any fear. and There is just going to be a, a glorious reconstruction and redemption of the earth as we know it. Not only the believers, but everything will work in summation as the Word has promised. It is a parental concern that what He started, He will finish. That's the Word revealed. We only get to, by the way, I thought, this was interesting. There was a, in connection to this last point, 
Um, there was a man who back in, who, who knows who this is? That's Henry Ford, not a great picture, but Henry Ford, of course, designed the automobile, the model. I guess there was a lot of Model T's, A's, N's. I, I don't know, all the, didn't live through that period of time in history, but there was a, I believe it was a Model T. It was pulled over and uh, was out of service on the side of the road, broken down, and, and Henry Ford was driving past it. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's one of my vehicles. <laughs> I think I might be able to help. So he pulled over and he talked to the man who was having car trouble. That's what they looked like in those days, kids. Um, no AC, a lot of no stuff in there, right, that we enjoy today. But it got him around. And so he's pulled over and he walked over. And he says, well, let me take a look at this. The man didn't know it was Henry Ford. And Soon the car was running again, and, and the man looked at uh, this stranger and said, how in the world did you pull that off? I've been looking under this. I can't understand this. He said, well, I designed this vehicle. I'm Henry Ford. I know a little bit about this vehicle. Do you think God knows a little bit about your life? If he created the world and everything in it, and that everything in it moves and lives because of Him. And that one day He wants to bring us the Word. will have its final say, as it has its say even today. The Word will be revealed. Then we see that the Word is rejected. And just for a moment, let's look at this. There is a rejection we see in verses 10 and 11. He was in the world. The world was made by Him. The world knew him not. We know that reading the Gospels, the story of where he walked. Nobody, I mean, they were impressed with what he could do, but no one really, very few, really believed in him, savingly believed in him. He came to his own, and his own received him not. He was, a, he was fascinated by that. He was astounded by this, that walking into his own temple, tabernacle, temple, that he was not recognized. In fact, he had to run folks out of the temple. This is a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. No one said there, except for John the Baptist was, was referred to. He looked at Jesus as the last in a long list of evidences that we see listed on the screen. The prophets, the creation, Scripture itself, May the tabernacle, all these signs. You say, how, how will I ever get to heaven? And how will I ever be sent to hell? <laughs> well, you don't get sent there. You choose to go there by the neglect of all the evidences. The voice of creation cries out. There's a God. The witness of Scripture cries out. There's a God. The voice of your conscience, you have a moral conscience, is not part, of course, of the life of an animal. You were made in the image of God. It cries out, there is a God. The voice of Christ, the revelation in the flesh, we see that John introduces us to him, cries out, yes, I am he. I am the light of the world. I and the Father are one. After all these unmistakable truths, the voice of testimony of others, the believers, yes, this is, as John said, pointing to Christ. Here is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. 
You imagine that opportunity for thousands, at least 4,000 years, there have been all these evidences. What are we going to do with our sin? The blood of bulls and goats could never cover it. They just pointed to a coming sacrifice. And here's one that says, there he is. There's the Lamb of God. He's right there. And he takes away the sin of the world. I don't know about you, but my sin has been haunting me all my life. It chases me. It debilitates me. It chains me. It drags me down. It reminds me. It beats me in the conscience over and over again. You're a sinner. You sin continually. Am I alone in that? And then the Word came. The final summation. The declaration manifested in the flesh. John the Baptist looking at him says, there's the one. This is not another religious leader. This is not another good teacher. Here's the one that taketh away the sin of the world. Hallelujah, I found him and he found me. And that burden that I was carrying and could not erase that indelible mark in my heart finally lifted when I met Jesus. I met the Word that came with saving power. And here's what, here's what we're told. The Word of God came and all these evidences mounted up. Do you know that people don't go to hell because there's not enough information about Christ? You're not going to arrive in hell one day if you're an unbeliever and say there, listen, or blame God on your way there. I just didn't know and I wasn't fully convinced. No, there's enough evidence when you, I mean, just think about it. <clears throat> just look at the, the beauty of the stars and the heavens at night and ask yourself, isn't there some sort of designer behind, behind all this? the migration of birds, the beauty and the miracle of the birth of a baby. Do you know the scientist with all of his quote-unquote wisdom and knowledge can't produce life? In him is life, not just human life, but eternal life. He's the author of life. And yet we go around and we say, I don't know. I say we, the secular world. I just want to find an alternative path to the understanding of how it all started. Do you know that anytime we take the truth and neglect, ignore, or abuse it, we try to set ourselves up as God and take Him out of the picture because we don't want Him to rule over us? Pilate said, are you indeed the King of the Jews? And the Lord said, I'm as thou sayest. And the Jews said, well, we do not want him to what? Rule over us. And that's the foundational truth of why people reject the truth of the word. is because they don't want God to rule over them. I heard that in Los Angeles, the public schools there are now aggressively instructing teachers to abandon traditional roles of male and female. In the beginning, God created a male and female created he them. There weren't a lot of options or choices. Now, they're being taught that 
teachers are being instructed to teach or force curriculum known as a transgender affirming education that seeks to make classrooms queer all school year from an ever-widening range of books and protests and conferences, presentations and holidays devoted to the perversion that God calls an abomination. Teacher-sponsored gender reassignment clubs. Verse 5 again says, The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Do you know that even though there is this satanic and demonic agenda to overcome the light, it doesn't take much light. A candle. If we turned off all the lights in here, somebody had a candle, cell phone. It would light the room. And that's the sense of the word. It didn't be, it, the light of God will not be overcome ever by the darkness. But there is an agenda, right, to overcome this. And those atheists and so forth try to do that. And our culture is becoming increasingly more aggressive against the truth. He came, and there's the rejection. He came unto his own. And what does his own do? His own received him not. Two categories in this room. Those that have received and believed and trusted the truth about who God is and those that are still fighting it. I don't know your heart. God does. But how sad to stand one day before him and believe it, you will stand before him. All of us will and give an account. It is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, it's not the nether world. It's not some empty space. It's not a return to some place in hell. I've heard this before. I want to hang out with my friends in hell because we'll have a party and have a good time. No, it's not. You're going to stand before the, God, before the God of the universe, the Word. And He will have the final word about your life and your belief. You may say, Lord, I've done good things. He'll say, I've never known you. You've never trusted in me. You've never believed in me. The word rejected. Are you a rejecter of the word or have you received it? He came to his own and his own received him not. Well, I'm thankful that in him is life and the life is the light of men. There is a re reality of God. There is a God. There is a conscience that also resonates in all of us. All these things point to God. Maybe you've walked around every one of these. There's been friends talk to you. I know a man right now who's grown up in a Christian environment, been to church, shakes his fist in the eyes of God, says, I will not, I blame you for my life. Oh, listen, one day you will meet him, the one that loves you so much that he spread out his arms on old cruel cross and died in your place. And his blood paid the ransom, paid the penalty for every sin you have ever committed. You may say, Lord, I don't understand this, and I don't understand that, but I'm telling you, friend, we're here to celebrate this morning the truth that this God, this Word became flesh, dwelt among us, went to the cross, and there died in our place. You cannot deny the fact that He loves you. Even though you don't understand everything He does, you cannot deny the fact that He loves you with all of His heart. He came unto His own, the sad reality his own people, verse 11, received him not. After the evidence of nature, creation, life, conscience, scripture, believing friends, the prophets, and all of history, don't walk past this word as many did in Jesus' day. Thank you for joining us today. 
Please tune in each week for new messages from Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you.